Part of the frustration, the lack of risk management or understanding on the part of these banks, theoretically very sophisticated institutions with robust risk management systems, departments, the fact that they didn't see this, the potential for this, rising rates, it's just kind of mind blowing. Welcome to the Financial Commute, a weekly podcast that gives you the rundown on what's going on in the current market, how it affects you, and what you can do about it, all designed to fit into your commute. I'm your host, Chris Galeski, and each week I share the table with a knowledgeable guest, including Morton Wealth Advisors, fund managers, and investment analysts, to break down complex financial topics. Our goal is to provide you with the tools necessary to help you navigate this challenging environment, leading to a path of more confident investing. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us for another episode of The Financial Commute. I'm your host, Chris Galeski, joined by CEO of Morton Wealth, Jeff Sardi. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Welcome. Good to be here. So not the not my favorite topic to talk about, but um, in the news recently, it's Thursday, May 4th. So may the 4th be with you, but <laughs> just, um, just wanted to bring it up. On Monday, earlier this week, mm-hmm. JP Morgan and First Republic went into an agreement to merge together. Right. So it's another bank failure or bank collapse. Yet another one. And, you know, I mentioned that today is Thursday, May 4th, because this is episodes likely not to get aired until next week. And there's some other banks that are in the news the last couple of days, Pacific West Bank yeah. and um, Western, Western Alliance. Alliance. Both, I think I just saw their stock prices are down again today, like 30 or 40%. So. Yeah, crazy. And, yeah. you know, Pac West Bank, 90% in the matter of a few businesses. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And the reason why we want to do a topic on the financial commute about this is because, you know, we're following up on the the episode that we did not long ago with regards to Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Fed was hoping that this would be contained right. within just a matter of just a handful of banks. They've continued to stress the market, raise interest rates. And even on Monday, Jamie Dimon... You know, the CEO of JP Morgan Chase, someone who should know a lot, came out and said, hey, this this is the last straw. First Republic's the last one. Like, we should be good from here. I don't know if that was the Fed twisting his arm to actually say something, um, but wanted your thoughts on what's going on. You know, I mean, listen, I... I hope he's right. And I probably even think he's right. If I had to make a bet that this contagion is mainly contained, I hate to have a crystal ball because I don't really know, but I don't put too much credence or thought into his words. He has to say that, right? I mean, yeah. he he's, he's the czar of the banking world. So he's trying to stabilize the system. The truth is no one really knows. And we're, again, we're seeing it today. You're seeing it with these banks, PacWest, Western Alliance, this is the issue around banks that I think we talked about. And Megan and I talked about this in our recent market review, too. Banks fundamentally have a flawed business model. You have depositors who can leave at a moment's notice. <clears throat> Excuse me. No one can predict when that's going to happen. So as a nature of that, we don't know if banks like Pacific West now or Western Alliance are in trouble or not. We just don't know. Yeah, we don't. But Michael Milken, there's the Milken con- conference actually go investment conference going on this week. Yeah. He came out earlier in the week and said, this is a this is a lesson that banks should have learned from the 70s. Yeah. Right now, these banks that are in trouble, he feels like the larger banks, the JP Morgans of the world, are in a much different situation, a lot better capitalized, a lot safer. That was Michael Milken's word. And that is true. They are, from a regulatory point of view, they are just more insulated in terms of risks, 
capital ratios, things of that nature. Just much safer, much more safely positioned. Because a bank uh, yeah. run, a bank run can happen to anybody. Sure, but it's less likely. Less likely with those large banks. Um, yeah. But the lesson that he said that people should have learned from the '70s is all of these banks had to basically open up and show, hey, here's the risks that that we're, that we're exposed to, and we were lending for a long period of time yeah. and borrowing short term. Yes. Right. So the reason why that was a problem is in the world of zero interest rate policy, when the federal government said, no, there's no risk to keeping rates at zero and mm -hmm. printing lots of money, everything's going to be fine. But because of that, these banks were loaning money. Think of 30 year mortgages at yeah. 3%. So 30 year loans, very cheap rate. Yep. And then they were borrowing money um, on the short term. Yep. Because they've taken deposits and they have to lend it out. So yep. if they need money to, to fund deposits or people withdrawals or whatever they have to borrow. Mm -hmm. um, the reason why that became an issue is because all of a sudden in a 12 month period, the Fed raised the rates from zero to five and a quarter percent. Yep. There was another rate hike this week. And now banks borrowing the short term borrowing rates is over five. Yep. But they lent a bunch of money out at you know two or three. Not a good economic system for those banks. Not. And part of the frustration and just we've, we've been ta talking about this for a number of years, the lack of risk management or understanding on the part of these banks, theoretically very sophisticated institutions with robust risk management systems, yeah. departments, the fact that they didn't see this, the potential for this rising rate, something we've been talking about for years, it's just kind of mind blowing. It's really, I mean... I hate to be use sort of extreme words with this, but I mean, they, they really had their head in the sand. Yeah. For them to just be so cavalier and just hopeful, and we think hope is not a strategy, but hopeful that rates wouldn't rise or could never rise, it's just, again, it's kind of mind-blowing. And it just shows, I mean, the lack of confidence we have in these types of institutions we should have, it's... It's justified by the actions we're seeing now. Yeah. I, I guess the questions that I'm getting from clients more so than anything, mm -hmm. it's kind of two things. Like, is this contained? Yeah. Don't know. Probably not. Yeah. Could be. But clearly the Fed sees an issue. If they're going to come in and basically force some errors with J.P. Morgan Chase, they gave J.P. Morgan something like a $50 billion loan mm -hmm. to help make this go, go through with First Republic. Um, there's some other banks that are having issues. They're hoping that it's contained yeah. and it doesn't cause issues. But the reason why a lot of questions are that clients are asking is like, well, what are the longer term effects? But also, why is the market not coming down as much as it might normally be? Sure. Um, obviously, we don't have all the answers. We can speculate a little bit. There's a lot more liquidity or money in the system yeah. today than in years past. I mean, when you think of the value, when you think of a trillion dollars, and we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. you can you can understand and comprehend a million or 10 million or 100 million. You can think of all the things that you'd like to buy. And then you get to a billion, and you're like, okay, maybe a football team or a baseball yeah. team, right? You get to 100 billion, it's like, okay, well, what does 100 billion buy? And then what's a trillion dollars buy? And the next thing you know, what is 30 trillion? Yeah. That's just so much money. And it's got to go somewhere, and that's partly being propped, up, propping up the system. There's no doubt, liquidity is undeniably helping keep things afloat, yeah. at least for the time being. But back to your point on, can this contagion continue? Again, the answer is we really don't know, and I know that's maybe not a satisfying answer for people who are 
on the other side of this camera right now. Yeah. But this is something I think the most important thing is we don't need to overreact. This is something we've been thinking about for quite some time. Yeah. We've been As we we've been talking about more more than, yeah. yeah more than wealth. We've been prepared for these types of risks in advance. Again, we talk about a lot how we didn't buy long-term bonds because of our fears of rising interest rates. Another reason why we've been co so conservative is, is that we have known that if rates did rise or when they would rise as they have, there would be collateral damage. Yeah. We didn't know where it would prop up. It could have been with pension systems. It could have been with other investment funds, et cetera, or it could have been with banks. We're seeing it now with banks. I think we thought more of a debt bubble before banks, but sure. yeah, that could still happen. But the, the, the answer is, I mean, we've been prepared in advance. This is why we're so diversified, so in other position in other asset classes that we think will be resilient if, even if the contagion continues. We even have gold positions, which are doing very well in this type of environment, whether you have a flight to safety into gold, as an example. Yeah, gold is, is reacted with that safe haven, the fears around, hey, is mm -hmm. my money? Look, nobody wants to live in a world where they're cash deposits or their money in a bank is not safe. Yeah. Um, and we definitely don't want pain or recessions or job losses, but that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities that come out of this. Um, we've been conservative as an investment firm for quite some time because there is a huge impact of rising rates and yeah. the cost of, and the cost of debt. So things like gold and our gold exposure is starting to, starting to do well, yeah. uh, this flight to safety, but Michael Milken also stated, and it's funny because it's also our view, that because of this banking crisis mm -hmm. and a lot of these small and medium sized banks do creative financing for construction projects mm -hmm. or um, other types of small businesses, that these banks are it's probably not contained. We're going to end up with a bunch of JP Morgan's and Bank of America's of the world yeah. that don't do a lot of this lending. Mm -hmm. So we're likely to end up with a world where more opportunity in private lending exists. Right. And that's kind of what happened in 2008, 2009 with our real estate lending. Mm -hmm. That that was around, but it wasn't as available prior to 2009. And so there, there could be a tremendous amount of opportunities for investment that could come out of this as well. And this, as you know, I mean, this is our area of expertise. We've been invested in private lending for since really the 2009-10 timeframe. Yeah. So we are well positioned. And the truth is we're already seeing it. Because of the exodus of lenders, namely regional banks, uh, across not only real estate, but lending to corporations and other things as well, we are seeing our private lenders already stepping in and they have pricing power. They are charging higher rates than they were even just three or six months ago for the same exact loan that they would have made previously. So instead of charging 7 or 8% on a particular loan, they might be charging 9 or 10% without taking on more risk. We're yeah. seeing that we're seeing that already. Yeah, it's, it it is incredible how how quick or dynamic that yeah. that world is. Being able to do the same loan that you were a year or two ago and make more money or even a more conservative loan and make the same or more money. I mean, that's another way to protect investors. Absolutely. I mean, to your point, we're not rooting for contagion. That being said, if it does continue and there is more volatility in the marketplace, opportunities will arise. And I think we're well positioned for it. Yeah, thanks. Jeff, I, just to, we'll, we'll kind of summarize and mm -hmm. recap, but you know, one of the reasons why the market, let's call it the S&P 500 being the market, mm -hmm. um, maybe is not reacted as negatively as one might thought a month or two into several banks going under is really eight or nine companies yeah. 
are propping up the value of call it the market performance this year. If you take away those top eight or nine companies, all technology growth, and this is all technology growth companies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're not going to get into valuations or whether or not not that makes sense. Um, but those those companies are the reasons why maybe the market hasn't reacted as negatively, or you're not seeing it from a performance standpoint. Right. Um, but who knows whether or not this banking crisis in smaller, more regionalized banks is contained. Yep. It could continue to happen. So people need to pay attention to the risk that they're taking on in terms of their exposure to stocks and other, um, you know, higher octane type of investments. Pay attention to the deposits that you have at the bank. Make sure that it's covered under FDIC insured deposits, because mm -hmm. as much as the Fed has come in and backstopped all these banks so far, there might be somebody that they say, you know what, hey, we've, we've drawn a line in the sand. And that's maybe what they kind of did by saying, hey, JP Morgan, will you and First Republic get together? Is They're starting to realize that because the debt ceiling and some other stuff that we'll get into another episode about, mm -hmm. they can't come in and bail out everybody. Sure. So pay attention to your deposits, the risk that you're taking on. Um, but then don't be afraid to be able to look for opportunities. Couldn't agree more. Stay diversified. Stay yeah. diversified in a variety of different asset classes where, sure, I mean, some things might run into some trouble, but hopefully those are a smaller piece of your portfolio. And in the meantime, other opportunities might arise that we'll take advantage of. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for joining us. And we hope this episode has provided you with a roadmap to feel more confident as an investor. To receive notifications for our weekly episodes, email financialcommute at mortonwealth.com. Until next week.